Hello, my name is Bralado and this is Outspoken. Thanks for joining me today on this episode of Outspoken. This is my second episode since I restarted last week. And for everyone that listened to the episode last week, um, I titled it Don't Sleep on This. I want to say a big thank you to you. So I said last week that I was going to continue some, somewhat on the same train of thought I started with last week. But I'm going into something else. Um, so I'm starting actually a series now and I've called it The Bible Says. I just called it Bible Says, not because I want to talk about <laughs> what the bible says for me it's kind of personal in the sense that a lot has changed for me in the last couple of years in my approach to the bible and i'll explain a lot of that as i begin this episode and that's why i've just called it the bible says i just went to look for a name that was catchy and yeah the bible says but going into that more in detail so i'm doing a four-part series in this I don't know if you can remember the first Bible you ever got. I actually can't remember the first Bible I ever got, but it seems like I remember the first Bible that was that I took so personally. And I think it's one my eldest sister bought for me. It's an NIV student Bible. It's black. I think it came in hardcover. It came in the there was also the there's hardcover that uh, how do I describe this hardcover? It's really hard. It's thick. You can you can rip it off and use it to fan yourself in case it is hot in your house. <laughs> but you get what I mean, yeah. Then there was the one that was just normal paperback and fluffy. But I, I think I had a hardcover one. So it was an NIV translation. And maybe that's where my love for the NIV picked up from. And it was an NIV translation and had a lot of notes, had a lot of commentaries. So that was primarily my introduction into the Bible. Apart from the, my book of Bible stories that we all had, I think I had several. I had several people's own were in my house, sometimes in pieces because we're children. You end up ripping up all these pages. Growing up, that early in our lives, we knew that the Bible can had an authority over our lives. There's something the Bible was saying that we're meant to pattern our lives by. For most of us, like any one of us, we've kind of like carried our childhood perspectives of the Bible into adulthood. So most of what we knew of the Bible growing up as children is what we still know of the Bible. The most that has changed is that probably um, we know more scriptures now. We're familiar with more of the stories. And yeah, we're living our lives, trying as much as possible to align with what the Bible is saying. Let it be an instruction for our lives. But the idea, the whole idea and background we know about the Bible is what we still know. For me, a lot of this changed of my understanding of the Bible changed during the lockdown because we're all at home. There was practically nothing we do except sit at home and binge watch a lot of things on Netflix and blah, blah, blah. It was just kind of odd because nobody knew what to do. But... That period, I, I think along the line, maybe a month or two months after, I started to go read books and I was reading a lot of books. A couple of books, not a lot of books. I've reading a couple of books. And I think I stopped on a book called um, The Bible Worth Reading. I think that's the title. The author, mixing the author's name in my head, so I don't want to call it wrong author. And somehow, I begin to see a backstory to the Bible. Now, what's a backstory? A backstory, we all know, a backstory is like the reason behind something, the reason why something happened. And the truth about it is that, that the story behind the Bible the backstory of the Bible is almost as important as the stories in the Bible. And we're all familiar with the stories in the Bible right up from childhood. We've heard stories about David, we've heard stories about Adam and Eve, we've heard stories about Joseph, we've heard stories about Jesus, disciples, some miracles in the New Testament, we've heard about Elijah, Elisha, and we have all these stories. Amazingly is that sometimes um, when these stories were communicated to us, some details were either taken out or some details were added. In fact, what's amazing about people always think that the Bible says something, but the Bible did actually say it. I remember I was watching a TV show early in my teenage years and somebody was talking about and the person just said, you know, like the Bible says that for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer. And 
I knew right there that something is wrong. Is either I have not heard this, seen this scripture, or this person is actually saying something wrong, and the Bible didn't actually say that. So we are all familiar with the stories. But one of the things that I'm using my life, and I just realized that there was so much of the backstory of the Bible that I did not know. And this goes beyond. If you ask me, um, it's not just how books of the Bible came together. We have six six books in our Bible, but it's more of what was the trigger what inspired that we have these six six books in our hands right now and thank god to technology we have it on our phones the truth is um sometimes when we don't have the backstory to something or we don't know the origins of why something came about or what cost thing to come about we have limited understanding about that thing and what i strongly believe and what has changed for me in the last couple of years is that my approach to the bible has changed because and I have a proper backstory to the Bible. I have an understanding of, of certain things. I've put more value to it. And not because I didn't put more value. The truth is that the Bible is inerrant. It's infallible. It's inspired by God. That's clear in the scriptures. And that is what I've always held. But the truth about things is that you can always know the what of something, but never appreciate it for its value. The what is always there. That is never changing for you. But you never, you're in your response, in your attitude towards it, you never carry that along. And sometimes when you know when you don't know the backstory or when you don't know the reason behind something it affects how you approach that thing the truth is the reason most of us may not read our bible as much or believe it as much or having fully grasped it as much some of the implications is because we don't know the story and like i said i know this for myself i'm using my life as an example for this and why is a backstory important Knowing the why and how of anything always gives a better understanding of it. I've said that and I'll keep saying it. Knowing the why and how of something always gives a clear understanding of it. And we all know this from our lives. We all know this from certain things. Some of us have come to understand Nigeria better because we kind of like know the backstory to Nigeria, how we were formed. A lot of that is coming into conversations. So sometimes when you have the backstory to something or maybe there's something you see and you don't understand, you don't appreciate its value, you don't know the in inherent value in it or how it came about. But when you hear that, you're like, wow, you're stunned, you're amazed. When you see a beautiful work of art, at face value, all that you are seeing is the beautiful work of art and you may be amazed by it. But when you get the backstory to it, there's more appreciation for it that you have. Um, probably you hear somebody's song and the song is so good. You hear the person's song story, how this song came about. Like, for instance, one of my favorite songs is the song is No Longer Slaves um, by Better Music with Jonathan and Melissa uh, Elsa. I remember watching the story behind the song and how everything came together. Jonathan and Melissa sent an email to Brian Johnson and how they communicated. In fact, one of the things that showed me more was Melissa Elsa's part in the song, the bridge she had to take. And when she said the first time those words were sent to her, she didn't believe them. And she told them that I can't sing something I don't believe. When it, I mean she didn't believe them, she just felt that, see, these things have not caught up within inside me enough. I don't just want to say something off the top of my head i want to say something that is really that means so much to me and it's something that i am a part of and is a part of me so she said she locked herself in a room and for over one hour she was singing a part of the song over and over and over again till she believed it and went out to sing it now here in that part so every time i listen to that part of the song i'm called back to memory of what she said about this part and it has a deeper meaning there's a deeper understanding about there's a deeper appreciation for the lyrics and also i am wanting to have that same experience she had because i know that this didn't come just ordinary so yeah and that's why a backstory is so important those of us familiar with the bible and how all our books are come together we know that um certain fathers fathers of the church or a council 
in AD 300 and something came together and by a rule, a measure, which is called the canon, were able to put all the 66 books together. That's really not what I'm talking about today. Even though I'd love to talk about that, but I actually have done an episode on this. You can find it. I'm I probably I'm going to upload it alongside this with my podcast at Outspoken. There was a game changer that made people in the first century go and search what is known as the Jewish scriptures. So that's the law and the prophets. And Jesus Christ always kept mentioning that. Now, what made them go search those things? What made them go find it? There was something that triggered it. And, and as simple as it may sound, this was very revolutionary. Something happened that made documents, documents that were heavily inspired by God, inspired by the Spirit of God, that were received by their prophets and prophecies that had gone over Israel about the coming Messiah. How did these documents start spreading in the first century? And now, right now, we have it on our mobile phones. What was the game changer? This was something that was only read in synagogues and the temples and only had a relationship to those who were of this ethnicity that's the Israelites. What was the game changer that brought about this now in what we have as our Bible? What caused this that now um, first century believers, Jewish, non-Jewish, were searching the scriptures that these books went from the synagogues and temples right into their homes and these were things that they were looking at these were the things that they were trying to pattern their life about and these were things they were using to have an understanding of life what was the game changer i like to read the scripture paul saying this in first corinthians chapter 15 from verse 1 this whole chapter is kind of like the longest chapter of any of paul's letters to any of the churches and this is what paul is saying he says now brothers and sisters i want to remind you of the gospel i preached to you which you received and on which you have taken your stand by this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word i preached to you otherwise you have believed in vain for what i received i passed on to you as first importance like this is the most important thing what i received i passed on you as first important that christ died for our sins according to scriptures and that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to scriptures and that he appeared to Cephas and then to 12 and after that he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time and most of whom are still living though some have fallen asleep that's though some are dead and he appeared to James then to all of the disciples and last of all he appeared to me also as one normally born Paul makes a statement here and he says for what I received I passed on to you as first importance that Christ died for our sins according to scriptures and that he appeared, Christ died as soon as according to scriptures, and he was buried and raised on the third day according to scripture. The game changer here that caused this Jewish scriptures to now spread. Because see, if Paul is saying here that Christ died according to scripture, he was raised according to scriptures, and all these things now are valid and are true. It's like someone coming up to meet you and tell you that, oh, certain things have happened based on certain things that were written a while ago. And you can see for yourself that these certain things have actually happened. One of the things that it sparks in you is to go back and see those things that were said or were written about these things that happened. The backstory of our Bibles, the backstory of why the scriptures, um, the Jewish scriptures have now become Christian scriptures is because something was fulfilled. Something was fulfilled among people in the first century. And what was fulfilled was that Christ died according to scriptures, was buried according to scriptures. And the juggler of all that, what holds everything together was that he was raised. This was the validation, his resurrection. You know, a thought came into my head this morning while thinking of this. 
that what would make Rome's symbol of execution and fatality become a sect in inverted commas, would become a sect symbol of identity and liberty. Rome's symbol of execution was the cross. And right now, most Christians adorn themselves with the cross. Most churches adorn themselves with the cross as an identity identifying and showing a liberty. What will make Rome's symbol of execution and fatality become that? It can only be that Rome's cross wasn't the end of the story. There was a game changer. There was a plot twist. And that's why we have these scriptures that said this of him, that he fulfilled in our hands right now. This is where the story of the Bible's in our hands begin. This is what caused the scriptures that were Jewish to now be circulated beyond ethnic groups and location. So people were making copies of copies of copies of copies and writing copies of copies because here's what it is that guys, these things that were fulfilled amongst us were written, were prophesied. The different prophets were saying this, different prophets were saying this. All these things that Israel's Messiah died for our sins, he was buried and he resurrected and we saw him with our eyes. These things have been fulfilled. And when that has happened, it picks up people's interest, picked it, their interest of those into the documents that was only read in synagogues and temples, but now copies of copies were circulating, were going everywhere. And people were searching the scriptures and looking for what was a fulfillment. We're looking for where it was said that these things happened. Without the resurrection, everything Jesus would have claimed he was or thought or did would have been a farce without a resurrection because it brought everything that the scriptures over thousands of years were speaking about the Messiah. So Christ was the fulfillment of all this. You naturally no one think this is like the backstory to the, to the Bible. It is because when we think and look at it, we realize that this is what happened. This was the game changer. This was the trigger. This was something that made these things spread. This document spread these things that only the Israelites that were custodians of, that had it for themselves, using it to guide their lives and guide their hope and guide their faith, has now become in the hands of everyone who professed Jesus Christ. For the first century Jewish followers of Jesus, they saw their holy scriptures fulfilled before their eyes. The one who fulfilled them told them to go and get everyone in the world in on it. Like they saw their, they saw their scriptures fulfilled before their eyes. They saw what the prophet said, what Isaiah said, and they saw him fulfilled before their eyes. And the reason why they could go with this encouragement, the reason why they could go with that command, even to their death, is because they received the command from one who didn't escape death, but he conquered it. The resurrection wasn't an escape from death. The resurrection was a victory over death. And like I said in the last episode, a writer that I've always heard from somebody, that if a guy predicts, his death, burial, and resurrection, and pulls it off. I'll go with everything that guy says. And the truth about it is that if someone resurrected and gives me a command to be a witness for what I saw, his resurrection, and seeing him live from the dead, I can die for him because I know that death is not the end. And the reason why Rome's cross, that was a symbol of execution and um, fatality, now becomes an emblem of identity and liberty. What would change that? It's because Rome's cross was not the end of Jesus Christ. It's not the end of the story. In fact, it was the beginning of a new story. The resurrection produced, let's say, three results. This is me. This is, this is what I've just come to find. The resurrection produced three results. The first is the validation of scripture. 
It is why they went searching the scripture afterwards and looking that see what has been fulfilled in our eyes was actually said. What we knew that had been said over these years that we had, that we read in our synagogues and read in the temples, that's been fulfilled before our eyes. So it was a validation of it. The second is that it, was, it, it, it produced that Christ is who he said he was. Christ is who he said he was. He didn't lie. And the third was that it affected their testimony so they could go out and testify of the things they had seen. Because here is it, guys. What was said of him actually happened. He fulfilled it to the letter. And we saw it with our eyes. This is the Bible. The scripture speaking of him and all he would do. Testimonies of all he did and what he fulfilled. He right at the center of it. That's the Bible in our hands on our phones. Jesus right at the center of this. Fulfilling scriptures. And what we have in our New Testament is a testimony of what was fulfilled in scriptures and what he saw with their eyes of Jesus Christ. And that's why we have the Bible. That's why there was a canon. That's why the, the fathers of faith and the elders, the, the council um, came together and put it in this order because they saw this. They saw a validation of scripture, the credibility of Christ. And they saw that these testimonies lined up what is the implication for us as followers of Christ? It means that we can go with everything Jesus says because he fulfilled everything that scripture said of him to the letter. There was a scene where John the Baptist's disciples came to meet Jesus and they were asking that John was asking that if he's the Messiah. And he, he quoted the scripture for them because Jesus was trying to tell them that I'm fulfilling what was said of the scriptures. So you guys go check for yourself. This indeed makes us his followers, his disciples, is that we follow his word and his word is true because he fulfilled his word. You know, the reason why we take people as credible is because what they said is what they do and their actions line up with what they said. That's what we base credibility on and it's the same. So it's natural to us to have this kind of affinity to someone like this, like Jesus, because he fulfilled everything he said. So when we open our Bibles, we see the scripture speaking of Israel's Messiah, the Messiah coming into the world, into the scene and fulfilling scripture and testimonies of those who saw the Messiah giving validation to what they saw and what was said about what they saw. They saw him live among them. They saw him fulfill scriptures. And the game changer was that the resurrection happened. You must understand that for almost 350 years, thereabouts, they didn't have copies of the Bibles like we have copies of the Bibles on our phones or bonded together. They just had copies and copies and copies and manuscripts and manuscripts circulating. Now, what was causing this to happen was because something had happened. It was that Jesus Christ, he died, he resurrected, like Paul said, according to scriptures. That is exactly what happened. As I wrap this up, I'd like us to put ourselves in. Imagine you were there when Peter was talking to first century people. After they had just seen Jesus ascend and Jesus had told them that, okay, guys, go wait. I'm sending the promise of the Father. And that's the Holy Spirit. Wait till you receive power so that you can go and be my witnesses. And this same Peter, same Peter, was the one that denied Jesus Christ three times. Three good times. One, in fact, denied Jesus before a little girl. So he didn't really have much of this confidence. But after receiving the Holy Spirit, the amazing thing about the point at which he received the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, the amazing thing was that the command Jesus Christ had given to them that go carry this gospel to every part of the world coincided with the fact that as they received the Holy Spirit, they had people from different parts of the world at the Pentecost. What a beautiful coincidence. 
but it's not a coincidence. The beautiful arrangement from God. But at the point they were receiving the Holy Spirit was the beginning of what Christ had asked them to do. Go into all the world. So Peter stood before these people because they had received the Holy Spirit and people were speaking in tongues. From verse 14 in, in Acts chapter 2, and this is Luke's account. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, and he's quoting Joel at this point, God says, I will part my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above, signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will say, Fellow Israelite, listen to this. And this is what Peter is saying to them. So he's saying, listen to this, guys. Pay close attention to this. Jesus Christ of Nazareth is a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. So he was saying this is an historical fact. This happened. I'm not, I'm not giving you gist. I'm not trying to make up something. This is a made-up story. You know this. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me. He is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad. My tongue rejoices. My body also will rest in hope because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried. And his tomb is here around the corner. It's, it's here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him an oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah and that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God raised Jesus to life and we are witnesses of it. Peter was just, this is Peter's first message. And he's telling these people listening, I see guys, scripture was fulfilled before our eyes. Scripture was fulfilled before our eyes. So when you read scripture, know, know this, that all scripture is mentioned and it's fulfilled by one man, and validated, accredited by God raising him back. And imagine just listening to this as a Jew, seeing that the scriptures you've had have been fulfilled before your eyes. And the, the direct response after this was that they asked Peter, what must we do to be saved? Peter told them, repent, Christ. I'd like us to fast forward to 30 years after this. This is St. Peter in what was his last letter to a church in Turkey. He was writing a letter to them. He had written the first epistle to them, writing, writing the second. And now this second epistle was kind of, um, I, I want to say it had kind of emotional tone to it because Peter was telling them that my time is almost up. Jesus has revealed to me that my time is almost up. And Peter was writing this from prison because backstory to this was that Peter was um, in prison, arrested by Emperor Nero. So he was in Rome writing this letter to this church. Um, why, he was in, why he was in Rome was because nationwide persecution had begun on the church because what had happened in AD 64, around July, was that a fire had broken out in Rome city and had devastated almost the entire city. And usually with fires like that, you want to find a scapegoat. And the, everyone was blaming Nero because Nero had already had a plan of demolishing buildings and trying to build what he wanted to build. So they were blaming him. And him, on the other hand, 
now blame the Christians. The Christians were the scapegoat. The Christians were brutalized, were fed to lions. Different things were happening. In fact, one of the most gory, gory things that, that Nero did was that in his palace garden for his ninth barbecues, he would pour tar and bitumen on Christians and light them up. Light them up so that they were used to light up the garden. Just imagine that. And this thing was all spread throughout the Roman Empire where Rome had conquered everywhere. So from church to church, they knew about all these things. But as this news of Nero's terror was flying around, Peter's letter was flying around. And Peter says in this is epistle and in 2 Peter chapter 1, I'd like to read from verse 16. You know, one of the things that happened is that when a man is close to his death, he's the most sincere. If there's secrets he wants to reveal, he will reveal them. Because at that moment, I have nothing to lose. I'm, I'm already dying, so <laughs> what could be worse than me dying? But Peter says this. He says this to the church. For we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power, but we are eyewitnesses of his majesty. He received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory, saying, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We ourselves have heard this voice, heard this voice, came from heaven when we are with him on the sacred mountain. We also have a prophetic message as something completely reliable. And why is it reliable? Because it was fulfilled. We witness his majesty. We witness what he did. And you would do well. Pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. So Peter is telling this church, you know what, guys? I didn't tell you stories. Not fables, not myths, not, not. We didn't cook this up. We actually witnessed this. We saw his majesty. We had confirmations. We had supernatural confirmations of this. But we also paid clear attention to the prophetic message. And Peter is saying, you know what, guys? Also pay attention to this message. Put so much attention on it. Put so much attention on it. The day dawns. The day star rises in your heart and what is this saying and what is peter saying to us as we live in the 21st century followers of jesus christ you know we believe people's promises based on their previous promises fulfilled so peter is saying if these promises were fulfilled i can believe in the coming promises and that's why he's saying pay close attention and when we are on setting we bring to remembrance what was fulfilled for an assurance of what is to come we can believe for the present and for the future because there's a validation of the past, a credibility to lean on, and a testimony to follow. So let's pay the utmost attention to scriptures. And that is why we have our Bible because all these were fulfilled. It was the game changer. And that is why they were encouraging people to pay attention to the scriptures because the scriptures said this. This happened according to the scriptures. So let's pay attention. So when we open our Bibles and when we read our Bibles, we're seeing a life fulfilled. We're seeing a credibility that we can lean on and we're seeing testimonies that we can follow. So when the Bible says, or when we say the Bible says, it actually says not just what it means. It says what has been done. And that's why we follow. And so Father, we thank you. Thank you for, we thank you for prophecies fulfilled. We thank you, Lord God, because we know it's your spirit, your spirit that raised Jesus Christ up from the dead that same spirit that inspired scriptures that we read and that we find life because we find a life fulfilled in it and it means that we will find fulfillment of life when we pay attention to it 
So we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your strength. That we pay attention to scriptures. That we appreciate the intrinsic value of what the scriptures offer for us. And that we put our hearts, we put our minds, and we become those that tell of its testimonies and his goodness in our lives. In the name of Jesus. Thank you everyone for listening. So this is Outspoken. I'm Bralador. Next episode, I continue on this series. The Bible says, so watch out for part two. Thank you so much.